Hey, thanks for being here this evening. My name is Kevin Conover. You're listening to Educate for Life. We're broadcasting locally down here in Southern California on FM 106.1 uh, in North County, and then also on KPraise 1210 AM down here in San Diego, uh, Southern California. And uh, not too long ago, I, um, I had a guest on the show, Dr. Tim Clary, and we talked about some pretty amazing stuff, uh, cutting-edge science demonstrating um, that there was a worldwide flood, a uh, hard data um, from all over the world through looking at geology and um, oil wells and um, the different strata within that they've, they've uh, pulled from um, the oil, the, the, the digging that they've done uh, drilling for oil. And uh, he received a Master of Science in Geology in 1984 from the University of Wyoming. He's got a Master of Science in Hydrogeology in 1993 from Western Michigan University and a PhD in Geology in 1996 from Western Michigan University. Uh, he's worked as a professor um, and uh, geosciences chair at Delta College in Michigan. He was there for 17 years. And today he studies the evidence for creation and the flood. Uh, Dr. Clary, thanks for being on the show again. Oh, it's a pleasure to be here. Pleasure to be back. Yeah, fantastic. And so we tackled, um, you know, a lot of that evidence for the flood last time. And this evening we're gonna we're gonna tackle the ice age and um, dinosaurs. And I think for most people, um, just the average Christian, you know, there's not a real clear picture of how the ice age fits in with things. You know, we hear about it from a secular pers perspective. As far as I understand it. Um, those on the secular side believe that there were three ice ages and uh, they've got a completely different paradigm for what what happened with the ice ages as opposed to when we look at uh, creation and the historical record of the Bible. And then also a lot of people are really confused about how dinosaurs fit into the Bible. Uh, and I think a lot of people, they just go, you know what, I don't know. And they just kind of push it to the side. Um, but why is it important that people are able to understand both you know, the Ice Age and also dinosaurs as it pertains to the Bible and being a Christian? Well, like, like I said in the Bible, we should be able to give an answer when people ask us questions. We should know enough about science that, that we can answer questions. And, and that's what we provide at ICR. We try to provide the answers to these questions that, you know, a lot of people have. And, and as Christians out there, you know, they struggle. I've had students in my classes who, some of them to the extreme, they deny that dinosaurs even existed. They think they're just, you know, people are making that up all the way to people, you know, saying, of course, they're 68 million years old or 100 million years old, all that kind of stuff. That's that's the normal conventional science story is that they're millions of years old. But we'll see that's not really true. There's evidence to show that they're really young. And they do fit in the Bible that in the book of Job, yeah. when you're reading Job 40 and Job 41, they're probably describing behemoth and Leviathan are probably dinosaurs. I was, I was astonished uh, one time, one of my students, I've been teaching for 16 years now, 12th grade uh, Bible and apologetics. And but one of my students told me that his youth youth pastor told him that uh, the devil put dinosaur bones in the ground to mm -hmm. test our faith. Mm -hmm. I, I I just was astonished. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Have you heard, heard that, that before? I heard that. As I said once from a student, a student whose parents were pastors at a church back yeah. in Michigan, and and that was that was the common story back in like the 17th century. Uh, people believed that fossils were just you know things the devil was there to trick us with. And so, but yeah, we and those were real living animals that were buried in the flood. Yeah, that's probably the evidence yeah. of the flood worldwide. But it's and, it's, and when it comes to being a like you like you said, when it comes to being a witness for Christ and and a workman that uh, can show himself approved, if you're giving answers like this and you're you're at a university or somewhere, people are going to lose respect really quickly. 
for anything you have to say about the truth of Jesus Christ if your stories about dinosaurs are, you know, wildly off, right? Yeah, right. And, you know, to, to deny they existed, you know, and I told the students, look, I used, I dug up some of these bones. I can show you the pictures and, and I, some of the bones, fragments I still have. And so they're, they're real fossils. They're the real thing, but there's evidence in those fossils, of course, that we'll talk a little bit about that they're not that old. You know, there's, there's proteins and things inside that show they can't be millions of years old. So, um, so uh, contrast the secular view of the Ice Age. Um, okay. Break that down for us. What is the secular view of how the Ice Ages fit into everything? Well, as you mentioned, they believe in what's called uniformitarianism. So they believe that everything's been uniform. So there have been multiple Ice Ages, they believe, of course, throughout geologic time. There's been several different major ones. And then the most recent one, they think there was a bunch of pulses and maybe as much as, you know, some people say as much as 40 or 50 of them in the last couple million years, uh, which really we just consider all well, really is one ice age, the, the most recent one. That's the one you hear about. That's the one we find the fossils of, like the mastodons and the mammoths all over the world, particularly in northern latitudes, of course. Uh, we, we see the evidence for that. And I'll talk a little bit about that. But we believe there was one ice age that was caused by the flood. So the flood now, it was a global changing catastrophic event that you know, wiped out all the air-breathing animals that weren't on the ark along with, you know, the, all the humans that weren't on the earth, uh, but it also changed the face of the earth dramatically. And it set up conditions by heating the, making a whole new seafloor, it heated the ocean water considerably. So the ocean water got very, very hot, uh, you know, much hotter. We don't know exactly how hot people have estimated, maybe 20 degrees Celsius hotter, 30 degrees Celsius hotter. You know, we talk scientific terms, but you're looking at water that might have been 70 to 80 degrees, you know, all over because all the whole seafloor was created new during the course of the flood, putting all that heat into the water. And water takes a long time to cool down and a long time to heat up. So once it heated up, it took a long time to cool down. Well, all that time that the water was really, really hot, it was evaporating much more rapidly or more easily than it had been. And so for hundreds of years, while the water was cooling down, you had a lot more rainfall and you had a lot of snow in the north, particularly because the atmosphere was being cooled because of the volcanic activity from those subduction zone volcanoes like Mount St. Helens that were kind of really peaking at the end of the flood and into the early centuries after the flood. Even Mount Ararat was erupting dramatically during the Ice Age. So all these explosive volcanoes, not every volcano, but the subduction zone volcanoes that have a different chemistry. They're the explosive kind, like we see in the Cascades in, in the West Coast. Those volcanoes were putting up aerosols into the atmosphere. And every time they'd erupt, you know, one here, one here, one here all the time, it wasn't just one every couple of years. It was quite frequently all over the world, making the Aleutian Islands, making the Caribbean Islands. All these islands were forming at about the same time. And they were putting all that aerosols in the atmosphere, cooling the earth. So you had a colder atmosphere. You had lots of evaporation. So in the equator, you had rain, lots and lots of rain. In Egypt and places around the Middle East, you had lots and lots of rain. Uh, it was, wasn't really a desert at all for maybe well over a thousand years after the flood. And so Egypt didn't really start in a desert. Their civilization started in a, a well-watered location. The Sahara Desert was well-watered. Even the evolutionary geologists look back in the Ice Age time, they see those rivers running through the Sahara Desert. And we don't think it was that long ago, you know, just maybe 3,500, 4,000 years ago when the Ice Age when ended. You say, when you say they, they see these rivers running through the Sahara Desert, you're, you're talking about rivers that are no longer there? Right, the rivers that are no longer there, but they can 
they can see the deposits and they can also see with some of the satellite imagery and things, you can actually almost see the trails in some of these cases with remote sensing techniques. But a lot of us, they, they can see the fossil evidence. They can see these things underneath the sand. They get the sand away and they can find some of these. With the sand blew away, they see these ice age deposits that show evidence of, you know, a wet climate. You know, a lot of animals that lived in water or thereabouts. And so you get, you know, when you when read the Bible and you read about, you know, the Israelites going out into the wilderness, that's the proper pronunciation or the proper probably word to use. It wasn't really a desert like some Bibles interpret as a desert because it really wasn't a desert back then. It was probably still well watered even the time of Moses. Uh, but, well, that's really interesting because what that means is that all the movies that we've been watching are getting it way wrong. Uh, yeah, you know, people just assume it's like it always is, but you know, yeah, I think it was vastly different. We got to kind of change our mindset on that. But there, but the bottom line with the ice age is you have all the hot water, but all this evaporation, a lot of moisture, a lot of rain, and then in the north because the aerosols in the atmosphere blocking out enough sunlight continually, it isn't just like you know, like today we get one that'll cool the earth for a couple of years and then it goes away. But if you have a bunch of them going off, you can cool the earth for several hundred years, and that that caused snow to come down in the north. Lots and lots of snow came down. It didn't melt from year to year. And if you build up snow from year to year, it eventually gets thick enough to become ice. So within maybe 200 years after the flood, you had a full-blown ice age going on. Uh, you know, massive ice sheets built up across northern North America, uh, northern Europe, northern Asia. And how far down did those ice sheets? How far down did those ice sheets come? Well, they, keep, they also well they also impacted the mountains. So you had more more you know big huge ice ice sheets going through the mountains and the Rockies. Uh, but they only came down to maybe Kansas, uh, Nebraska, in the United States, uh, Wisconsin. Okay. There was a couple different advances and, and kind of meltbacks a little bit. You know, they they consider those separate events almost, but it's all really one ice age. It's really, really only one ice age, really only strong evidence for one ice age in the world that ever happened. All the other ones are all inferred based on some scratches on rocks and things, which can also be from debris flows. Uh, so we know that debris flows fast-moving debris and like landslides can make scratches right on rocks that mimic what ice age scratches look like. But there's so much more to the to the most recent ice age. There's all this loss that about 10% of the world was covered in this really fine, silty material, kind of, you know, smaller than sand, but, and it stands up vertically. So if you ever drive across the interstates, Interstate 80 and 90 across the United States, across the Missouri River Valley, you'll see standing bluffs. You know, they're standing vertical. That, that loss, that wind-blown material from the ice age stands as a, a vertical angle of repose, which, which most things, of course, sand drops 30 degrees or so, uh, but it's really unusual. But that covers 10% of the world. And you don't see that in the rock record anywhere else as you go down into the rocks where they claim there's other ice ages. So it appears it's just one ice age. And it was all caused by the, you know, the conditions at the flood. But the key of the whole thing is God had a plan. And there's a reason for the ice age we'll come to a little bit later. What's the explanation for that silty material from a from a, a geological perspective in the, the flood? Well, I, this is my understanding, and I could be wrong, but I think that material is kind of a windblown material. Uh, when, the, when the rocks are kind of scraping and grinding on some of their exposed bedrock, especially, especially up in Canada where you have crust at the surface, uh, you were kind of grinding this material, making this finer material, and then the sand gets kind of blown by the wind and sorted by the wind. But I believe there was some sorting by the water before the wind even uh, kind of blew that stuff around. So, but a lot of it seems to be almost like the, a wind that kind of material that built up after the, you know, as a consequence of the ice age or in the front of the ice, that sort of thing. I'm not hundred percent certain. I'll admit what I don't know. And I don't, I don't know. Sure. For, it is a very common deposit that seems to be tied to the ice age. 
So um, one of the questions I have about this is, uh, my understanding, I was I was doing a little bit of reading on this, and they said uh, that there was some uh, amount of, um, I believe it was three, sounds almost too, like too many, but something like 300 million um, uh, the, the Ice Age, uh, like bison or um, the uh, giant elephants that were up in the north. And that their tusks and things were like literally falling as the ice is melting into the ocean in Siberia. And mm -hmm. one of my questions is, is were there dinosaurs, if you have that many of these, these, what we consider ice age creatures, cause you know, they group in uh, things like saber tooth tigers and others. Mm -hmm. um, why are they separating the saber tooth tigers from say dinosaurs Mm -hmm. um, are these creatures found together? Are they only found in the, the snow, the areas where the snow was? Why is it that there, there seems to be in their minds this idea that there's a separation from evolution in, in that regard? Well, does that make sense what I'm asking? Yeah, I think I think so. Well, you don't find any dinosaurs in the Ice Age sediments. Right? And I think maybe because where you find the Ice Age fossils has to be a much cooler climate. Uh, closer to the ice. I mean, you do find mastodon or mammoths down in Texas, uh, which the ice was, you know, several states north of that. But this the area near the ice, you know, I think it was conducive for mammoths and mastodons, these big animals. Uh, but dinosaurs, I believe they were cold-blooded. There's there's some pretty good evidence of that that I've talked about in some of my books that I've written. And and it's if they're cold-blooded, they're going to stay near the equator, especially if it's a cooler climate all over the world. And the world was, you know, cooled by the by the blocking out solar radiation, that's going to make them, if a cold-blooded animal doesn't stay warm, of course, they're not active. And so they're going to have to stay further south. So I don't believe there, at least there hasn't been any reports. Uh, doesn't mean they haven't found something. There hasn't been any reports anything published showing where dinosaurs are mixed in the Ice Age sediments. So the dinosaur fossils we find are all seem to be from the flood. They all disappeared at a certain level in the flood. You know, that's called the KPG or the Cretaceous Paleogene boundary. It used to be the KT boundary. That's where most of the dinosaurs disappear. A little circular reasoning there because they mark the boundary where they where they disappear, and so that's that's you know it's one and the same. Uh, but nonetheless, that boundary is, is where dinosaurs disappear, and above that, of course, is the is the Pleistocene. There's a lot of rocks sometimes in between, Cenozoic rocks, which I believe are part of the receding phase. There's a lot of mammals in the, in the receding phase, like the Badlands of South Dakota and other places that are on top of the dinosaurs. But that's those animals that were living at even higher elevation. They got washed off and buried on top of the dinosaurs during the flood we talked about last time. But I don't see if there's any, I don't see there's any wardens found any mixing of ice age animals. Uh, the ice age animals, a lot of them were caught in mud and, and sediments from the ice probably melting. When the, when the ice melted, it probably melted really quickly. Uh, so maybe just in a matter of 50 years, all the ice melted away, except for where we have Greenland and Antarctica uh, still today, kind of as remnants of the ice age. But it's it's, 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 there's no good answer, but they haven't found any, you know, interaction between them. Well, that's a, that's a good answer. That makes a lot of sense that the, the warm blooded animals, um, obviously are going to be in a different climate, uh, potentially than the, than the cold blooded animals. So when they got off the ark and you have like the mammoths getting off the ark and you have dinosaurs go getting off the ark, they're essentially going to, um, migrating to different, uh, locales essentially. And then over. So, yeah. Yeah. And then over a series of, you know, a uh, few hundred years or whatever the case, the Ice Age. So 
so you, we hear stories about full on mammoths being buried in ice or snow. They still have their flesh. I've heard that some of them still have food in their mouths and food in their stomachs. That's how quickly it happened. Can you explain like what happened there? Like, well, so yeah, does that, things we don't know for sure where, but, I'm, where I'm going with it. Yeah, yeah, I know where you're going with it. Yep. Well, we do find frozen in, in Alaska and Siberia. They find frozen, you know, animals, uh, baby mammoths and saber-toothed cats and their adult ones. And rumor has it that one time some of the European geologists actually ate some of the flesh that wasn't rotted of some of these. Uh, I think it was a woolly bison or something like that. It wasn't a mammoth. And they said, you know, they still really freezer burn, but they could eat it because it hadn't rotted. Most times animals die and they'll rot before they kind of freeze up. Yeah, but in this case, it seemed to be really fast. But uh, Mike Ord, I think, has come up with the best, uh, if you don't Mike Ord, he's a creation, uh, yeah. creationist for many years. And he's come up with the best explanation for that, I think. And that has to do with the water, that ocean water. Once that ocean water uh, cooled down, so the ocean water might have been 70, 80 degrees for a while as it was cooling, some of the ocean currents are going to be affected. Once you start changing temperatures of water, it changes the density of the water. So you can get rapid downwelling and upwelling suddenly takes place once you cool the water at the surface, it's going to get heavier and it's going to start sinking into the water that's, that's you know, colder water goes deeper because it's more dense, just a little bit more dense, you know, more saline as well. And so that's going to start causing these currents to change. There might have been a dramatic shift, Mike thinks, along the Siberian area, particularly along the Arctic Ocean in these ocean currents as the water reached a certain threshold and suddenly just like lakes turn over suddenly in the spring and the fall, they'll flip and the water flipped and suddenly it got really, really cold. Up until that point, if you were near the coast and the water was warm, you had a mild climate, no matter how, you know, the northern Siberia on the coast would have been really mild. And so a lot of mammoths and mastodons were up there eating and doing their thing for maybe several hundred years. And all of a sudden that water flipped, you know, all of a sudden it got really cold and instantly they froze up. I mean, literally some of them froze almost instantly. It might've been that quick. Yeah. And that's the best explanation I've seen for it. Uh, it seems to make sense, but I don't know if that's, what happened, but it, it seems to be the, the best explanation. Well, I, I blame Mike Ward for that. Give him the credit. <laughs> that sounds good. Um, good so, guy. yeah, he is. So, so uh, um, you know, our view of the Ice Age, too, what are the practical ramifications? You know, we, we there's this whole movement with global warming and people are making laws about climate change and we've got, uh, you know, it's all over the world. Uh, does our view of the ice age change our attitude towards um, towards things like climate change and these sorts of things, or is that is that not relevant to well, how we view those I, I issues? Think it is a little bit because that was the biggest climate change we've had was when the ice age ended and the volcanoes stopped erupting and stopped cooling the earth. That was the dramatic change. That's what caused sea level to rise over 300 feet, and so during the ice age. And if we get a chance, I'll get to that. The reason for the ice age, of course, was the lower sea level, almost like a sponge soaking up water. All that snow built up, built up, built up, all by God's plan and timing. And so he could open up land bridges all over the world so you could walk from the Ark to anywhere in the world, pretty much. Except for you know, Australia, there's still a little gap of water. But for the most part, you could walk anywhere. You could walk from Asia across Siberia right into North America. You know, that Bering Sea was dry land. And it was warm yeah, because near the ocean. You know, the ocean kept it warm. Uh, at this, for a few hundred years as well. So you could walk along the coast and, and stay in a kind of a moderate temperature, even though you're very, very, very far north. The ice was further up. And so like those mastodons that got trapped, there was ice probably below them, uh, but not along the coast until that currents changed. 
I don't know if I answered the question. Uh, maybe I went the wrong path. Did I answer the question? All good. No, enough? that's great. That's great. Okay. Well, I I'm I'm curious as to like you know with with everybody so afraid of of climate well, change right yeah, now. Yeah. Okay, that's what I was going to say about the climate change. Yeah. Well, well, I you know I just talked about this in, in a college class I teach at a Christian school here in town at the, called the King's University in South Lake, Texas. Uh, once a year, I teach their class, and we just talked about the climate change. And if you go back even two thousand years to the time of Christ, they can see major fluctuations up and down. About every five hundred years, it's going up and down. And so we see these periods of, you know, from about 1350 AD to about 1850 AD, we had what's called the Little Ice Age. So for 500 years, the world's temperatures were cooling and the ice was expanding and people in Europe were all worried that the ice was going to come down the mountains and take their village away. Well, now it's completely reversed. So we're going through a global warming cycle, which we saw before the medieval warming period did the same thing for about 500 years. So these kind of these fluctuations as the Earth's climate is trying to equilibrate after the Ice Age has been kind of doing this and riding a little bit of a roller coaster. And to blame it all on humans, I think, is wrong. I think you know, maybe we're contributing some of it, but we're not making that big of a difference because this is going on even without the Industrial Revolution, up and down, up and down. And so, you know, they always say, oh, it's the coldest, it's the warmest. You know, how long have we been keeping records? And they can go back and look at some of these sediments out in the Sargasso Sea, they call it, out in the middle of the ocean. And they can see these fluctuations are recorded, but nobody talks about that because it doesn't fit the narrative. If it doesn't mm. fit the narrative, you know, the government funds scientific research in our country and in the world for the most part. And so the government sets the narrative. And if you want to get funding, you have to fit in the narrative. You have to follow the consensus. And so if they say we're going to push global warming for whatever reason, you better start finding that in your papers and your research. If you cover things contrary to that, you can't lose your job. There was a lady that discovered that there's more um, polar bears in the world now than there was, was you know, yeah, probably going extinct. And apparently, yeah. what I heard was she, you know, she got let go. You know, she got in big trouble for for publishing that paper, even though it's true. And so yeah. there, there's actually backlash to people. You know, you almost have to be a full tenured professor about to retire before you can start telling the truth. And unfortunately, yeah, and even even then, you you got to be careful. Yeah, I know. I, I yeah. well, go ahead. I, talking to Dr. Sanford about that and I, I was asking because he was at Cornell University for so long mm -hmm. and I was just asking him you know what's what's it like when you and, and he was even concerned he said when he was writing his book he was concerned about how people were going to respond to it on a genetic entropy and then there was that that movie that came out quite a while ago called um, I believe it was expelled by uh, with Ben Stein was hosting it mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. that had a lot of that that backlash that people were experiencing um and uh, I've had several scientists on the show who who were either let go or were battling mm -hmm. um, being let go because, you know, they didn't fit the paradigm. Yeah. But, you know, when uh, I was, you're not old enough, but when I was a kid, we were going through elementary school. It was all about we're going to go into another ice age because in the 70s and stuff, everything was getting colder, colder, colder. The global temperatures were taking a drop since about 1945 to about 1980. Temperatures were cooling. And all of a sudden, within one year, it flipped. It flipped oh, we're going to global warming. We're all going to die from that. And it, yes. it's just ridiculous. I mean, it's just, I've, I've heard it all. And so when you get older, you look back and you realize maybe that's that wisdom or maybe you're just getting old and grumpy. But you, you've seen enough of it. Yeah. <laughs> this is absolutely silly. Yeah. I think we ran around trying to fix the ozone hole that was always there. And we didn't yeah. fix anything. But we pat ourselves on the back and spent billions of dollars, got rid of all of our freon gases, all of our deodorant sprays, all this kind of stuff to save the ozone hole. I don't think we did anything. I yeah, just another yeah. One of those I know. New York, New York they're trying to take away people's uh, gas stoves now. 
to try to save the environment. Uh, it's, it's insane. And we don't, we're not in California. I was in Home Depot. We're not allowed to, I think they got rid of all gas uh, lawn equipment. They, they don't have gas blowers or lawnmowers now. It's all electric, which was wow. just. And, and, and again, to keep in mind, electricity, three fourths of our electrical power comes from fossil fuels. <laughs> so... You're still burning coal, you're still burning natural gas or oil to make about well, three fourths of our energy. The energy we use, most of it comes from fossil fuels. And so you can plug in your electric car all you want, but the coal plant down the street is what's powering it. You know, you can, I mean, sure there's some from solar and there's, and I'm all about diversifying. I'm all about, we can't rely on one thing. Sure. I, I believe there's so much cheap energy out there, oil and gas and coal that we could be using. And if you burn it cleaner than they did maybe a hundred years ago, when you just put black soot everywhere. You know, yeah. it, it is a lot better. I'm, I'm worried about pollution more than I am about CO2. I just did a, an article recently. I saw a report that uh, on our ICR website about the release of CO2. There's all this CO2 being released by sedimentary rocks weathering and just the shales. And they found out that they there's more CO2 being released than all the volcanoes in the world from the shale rocks. But the rocks they did test were the carbonate rocks that are full of CO2. They actually are made, that's their main components, their calcium carbonate, they have CO3 in them. So they had to use CO2 to make those rocks during the flood year. And now they're exposed to all over these mountains all over the world, like the Dolomites in Italy and all over the Rockies. There's these big limestone sheets. Those are oozing CO2 as they weather away, but nobody's quantified that. And if they ever did, they'd probably find out that you need a steady source for that steady increase. And to me, a steady yeah. source comes from the rocks and things that are kind of breathing the CO2 back as they weather into the atmosphere. If you follow the human you know, curves of temperatures, you do this. It doesn't match the curve of a nice straight line. Just because they're both going up doesn't yeah. mean they're both from the same cause and effect. But again, yeah. I'm, I'm, I don't want to offend the environmentalist anymore. I'm an environmentalist, but I, I worry more about water pollution, air pollution, you know, chemicals we're putting in the ground, we're spraying things uh, on our plants and other you know crops i used to hoe beans as a kid and picking up rocks and picking up fossils that's how i got into geology they don't hoe beans anymore they spray them and so there's all these chemicals going into our waterways that you know some of those are hard to get out of the water and to me that worries yeah. me a little more than co2 co2 plants love it it's only point yeah 0.04 percent of our atmosphere even at its worst and on its worst day and there's nothing wrong with that there's more vegetation now in the world than ever according to some studies yeah, but that and that's a reflection of the the truth of the Bible is that if you get your history right and you get your science right, well, then you're going to come to good good conclusions. Mm -hmm. But if your paradigm is completely false, well, you're going to make all kinds of false false mm -hmm. conclusions. Um, so you have a bunch of slides on the Ice Age. Um, are you able to pull those yeah. up and? I'll try to share those really quick and go through a few things on the Ice Age. I think they might. Some of your viewers and listeners might be interested in some of this. Let's see how I can get the slideshow going. My guest today, if you're uh, listening, just just tuning in, is Dr. Tim Clary, and um, he's with ICR.org now. He's a geologist and um, has got has written several books, and um, is an expert on uh, the geology of the world, the flood, and things like the Ice Age. Well, yeah, only because I, I put a lot of work into it. I mean, <laughs> I've probably seen more rocks around the world than anybody, but. It's it's just a pleasure. I mean, to show people the truth of God's word. But anyway, here's a little bit about the ice age. Here's the ice age. Here's what it, where it covered. You know, the, people wonder if there really was an ice age, but I believe there was one ice age as we talked about. And kind of kind of covered this area. You can see 
lot of North America and and there's and there's still a remnant there in Greenland and Antarctica in the south. There's not much in the south because there's not much land down there except Antarctica and a little bit of these, you know, the, the continent's all thin down to almost nothing. But it kind of covers the area. You can see the landforms from that here in my home state of Michigan. This is called the Ellsworth Drumlins over there in the northwest part of the lower peninsula. You can see what looks like lines going across the topography there. That's actually these hills, these drumlins that form, they believe, under the ice. And so that's one of the landforms that we see to indicate uh, there were glaciers that covered this area. Plus, there was about 100 and some feet of debris, for the most part, ground up rocks at the surface. And so you, it's hard to find. And you get rocks like this that are out of place. And so I'm standing there next to this one big rock there in northern Michigan that's a piece of granite. It's a, And the rocks below there are shales and sandstones and, and limestone. Mm. So that came from Canada. So a lot of these rocks are transported great distances. And then when the ice melted, they just dropped out. And there you have these what's called erratics. They're out of place rocks. And, so this is this is really interesting because um, I watched a special on this with Nova, which you know is not a Christian organization or anything, and they were they were studying the Missoula flood mm -hmm. and uh, what caused the Scablands, and they were saying it was Glacial Lake Missoula. Mm -hmm. um, so is that is this relevant to that? Because they mentioned erratics in that also. Well well, it's the same thing, but in this case, those might have been moved by water as the as you know you filled up a big lake during the ice age from melting water, and then the lake burst. And so the Lake Missoula burst and catastrophically, you know, poured all out. And the same sort of thing happened in Michigan, uh, the Great Lakes, uh, due to the ice melting back at the end of the ice age, they filled up and there are different levels. You can see different lake levels in Michigan. There's ridges that go around the, the peninsulas and things, which I don't, don't have to show here. But the water dropped one time, they found a new outlet. I think maybe out the St. Lawrence Seaway, and it carved a big gorge between the upper peninsula and the lower peninsula. So they had to put a big bridge because of the 200 foot deep canyon down there. They couldn't just build a causeway. They had to build a suspension bridge, like you see in San Francisco, that spans that big deep gorge because it was carved out as the water catastrophically, you know, flowed from oh, from one lake to the next real quickly. So that that kind of thing happens. But we also see on the bedrock, like here's Minnesota and Michigan, you see scratches and grooves, uh, which shows the Bottom of the ice as it was moving, I was scratching away with the rocks built in the ice. The glaciers are really full of dirty debris. They're kind of moving ice that built up snow. But as they thicken up, of course, they start to flow away to try to flatten out. And so they're constantly going from highest, you know, higher, thicker ice to thinner ice. So in most of the places like Michigan and Wisconsin, New York, they were moving to the south. Uh, they And they just melt back. They don't move back, they melt back. These are some hills they ski in Michigan called moraines, these big long ridges where glaciers dropped a lot of debris for maybe 20, 30, 50 years at a time, left big piles of debris all over the place. And, and again, so if you don't, we talked about this, well, how you get ice age, you gotta have snow that doesn't melt for consecutive summers, heavy snowfall. We get all that, of course, in the aerosols, we talked about this, the subduction zone volcanoes, blocking out sunlight. You know, if you have enough of them erupting continually all over the world, you're going to black it out for a while. So Mount St. Helens was actually pretty small. But these are some eruptions from the 19th century. Tambora in 1816 is known as the year without a summer across Europe. It never really warmed up because, you know, an Indonesian volcano erupted in 1815. So the next summer, it was really, really cold globally, you know, all the way to Europe. Krakatoa did that in 1883 when it kind of blew up in Indonesia, dropped the global temperatures. And the most recent one that really affected it, not Mount St. Helens, it was too small. That was Mount Pinatubo in the Philippines in 1991, and that dropped the temperatures. I remember that one. I was I got 
uh, laid off from the oil company and went back to grad school in Kalamazoo. And in 1992, that winter, we were seeing temperatures of 35 below. And usually that part of Michigan never gets 35 below. That's, that's North Dakota weather. Uh, you know, the lakes usually warm the air a little bit. So it was really, really cold that year. I remember starting my car. I didn't have a garage every couple hours for a couple of nights to, so it wouldn't freeze up. Because it'll, it'll freeze up so, the whole thing. But so a question about this, um, <clears throat> Dr. Clary, what you showed us, you know, with those erratics mm -hmm. and then with the scratches mm -hmm. um, and so forth, is this agreed by both, um, you know, creationists, mm -hmm. creation scientists and secularists, or is, is there a discrepancy in... Uh, no, no, they agree. They, they agree this is all evidence for an ice age. You know, they just think there's multiple ice ages. Uh, they think even the most recent one, we think is just one, they try to make, break it into a bunch of little smaller ones uh, that last over 2 million years. And we, we say, no, this all happened over maybe five to 700 years. And so these are some of the big, big eruptions that took place during the receding phase of the flood. You know, a lot of these came out of uh, Yellowstone. And so you see the same ash layers all over the country. And you know, these are massive eruptions. And then you see the little tiny Mount St. Helens eruption there in red. And so during the flood and the immediate post-flood, you have much bigger eruptions than you have today. And so volcanism kind of did this. This is a graph, I think, from Mike Ward, where it kind of slowly at the end of the flood there kind of went down, you know, with time, kind of up and down, kind of peaks, kind of like our temperatures are doing as they warmed up after the ice age. Uh, same sort of thing takes place. It kind of, a, you know, if the, if the volcanoes are stopping, then the global temperatures are going to do the opposite. They're going to do the reciprocal. They're going to start warming up. And so these spikes. You know, um, so I had a, another question. This is, and it's funny because um, I, I was speaking at an event and a, a gentleman came up to me afterwards and he said, I'm curious about your thoughts about the formation of Hawaii. And mm -hmm. uh, I actually just saw a post that you did um, right before our show. Um, I saw a post about Hawaii. Mm -hmm. He was arguing that um, he was having trouble with understanding uh, the, the creationist viewpoint of how Hawaii formed as opposed to, mm -hmm. I guess, if you... If for a secularist, they say that these islands formed over millions and millions of years. Um, what is uh, the view of a creationist in regards to how Hawaii formed? Well, I, I think it, you know the idea of this hot spot, whether it's valid or not, there was a lot of lava. If the, if the plates are moving fast, as a creationist, we believe the plates are moving fast, uh, several yards per second, uh, which is what John Baumgartner's model and it seemed to be. You know, there's evidence to back it up with the cold slabs deep in the earth and that sort of thing. I think we talked about last time. Uh, so there's evidence for that, not just a not just a computer model. But you're moving along pretty fast, and, and the plate, the Pacific plate was moving along pretty quick. Whether for some reason there was lava spewing up from the mantle down below, and it kind of left a trail of breadcrumbs behind. So you see that that went on for you know almost the entire plate, and it actually changed direction once, uh, and it seemed like the plate might have shifted directions a little bit. But nonetheless, towards the end, things had to slow down when the plates were running out of uh, gravitational potential, so to speak. When, they, when all the plates were finally made new and warm, you had no more cold crust to subduct away. And so it was that density difference with all this new hot crust, everything just kind of came to a screeching halt. And those last islands we see, starting with Kauai, is where you see the plates you know, around the, what's called the Pliocene. That's when things started slowing down. So suddenly you see more... They weren't just throwing breadcrumbs out. Suddenly, a pile of breadcrumbs built up, made by island. They were still moving a little bit to the next island, the next island, but more massive amounts because you had all this lava spewing out for whatever reason. It eventually still is spewing out today, but probably not as fast. But it, you finally see that buildup right at the end as the plates are starting to kind of stop.
I think that's why Hawaii's there. Now, if Hawaii is really five million years old, Kauai is supposed to be about five million years old. If it's really that old and there has many volcanic activity four or five million years, it'd be it wouldn't be a wouldn't even exist. It'd be eroded away. The erosion rates in Hawaii, I published some stuff on that, are so rapid that there'd be nothing left for all the islands except for the big island, which is still active. Maybe that island would if three million years, it'd be gone. Those islands are so small, they'd be right down to sea level. And so they should just be, you know. Yeah, because of the, because you're going to have a lot more erosion in the middle yeah. of the ocean than you are anywhere else. Right? Yeah, and if you so, stop erupting to keep those islands, you know, growing, then they're just going to erode away in less than a million years. All the all those islands will be gone. And so there should only be one island that's still there. The rest of them should be flat top sea mounts, as they're called, you know, right below mm -hmm. sea level. And you see that further out. You and would you argue that? So would you argue that the volcanic activity that you're describing in, in the flood is uh, also what caused the Hawaiian Islands? Yes. I mean, there was increased. Everything was increased. You know, a lot of things can happen under different conditions. And you got to think during the flood, there was not only volcanoes that were producing aerosols real rapidly towards the end of the flood and afterwards, but there was a lot of volcanic activity making the whole new ocean floor. So there was a lot of disruption of the mantle going on, and that's that caused a lot of things to happen suddenly over the next few hundred years, even after the flood, it probably was a lot bigger earthquakes than we have now uh, within a few hundred years after the flood. So it's, it would have been kind of a little bit more scary and dangerous time maybe to be alive right after the yeah. flood uh, because things were so different and the climate was such a violent thing. But basically, we talked about this before, you need enormous energy in the oceans. You made a whole new seafloor. You know, we talked about this as part of the rapid plate tectonics. So all that seafloor, 70% of the earth would have been made new out of lava, 60 mile thick plates. And so all that energy, a lot of it was transferred to the oceans and made the oceans very hot for a long time. But once that stopped, of course, the heat pump stopped and the ocean started to cool. And so this is, again, I think Mike Ord and Larry Bartman worked on these uh, temperature graphs estimating if the temperature of the ocean was 20 degrees Celsius hotter, how long would it take to cool down? And, and we all kind of estimate maybe 500 years after the flood was the glacial maximum. And then it kind of melted away within 700 years, it would have probably all gone. And so you can see the global temperatures for the first 2,000 years, that's quite a while after the flood, uh, you would have had an effect on the climate because the oceans would have been warmer. So Egypt and all these places in the Middle East for the first 2,000 years after the flood, uh, and the flood was about 2,400 BC. And so until about 400 BC, you would have probably had a, a major effect of the world's climate, even the time of Jesus being on the earth. You know, Israel might not have been quite as dry as it is today. So, the, so the bulk of the earth, the, so ahead. the bulk of the earth would have been a lot more uh, tropical. Generally, is what you're saying. Well, wetter would have been wetter. Wetter, okay. Maybe not tropical. Yeah, you wouldn't have had these big deserts yet at 30 degrees north and south latitude that we see. Uh, you would have had more rains coming down, but you would have had fluctuations, and that's why you read in the Bible you know, about Joseph predicting. Seven years of you know famine and seven years of good. I mean, that might have been some of those cycles that were doing some of this as the earth was trying to equilibrate. You might have had seven years without much rain. Uh, you're starting to get the effects maybe at that point of this. You just like you see this curve going up and down. And so you. So how long? How long did it take for you know after the flood? You said because of the ice age, you 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 had your maximum at at 500, and then you begin to see that melting. And you said that it was about a 300 foot difference in ocean levels right. so we'll, yeah, we'll so, get to that a little bit here 
Okay. Okay. Let me get to that and then we'll, we'll see if we can answer your question. So here's sure, the question sure. 23 49 BC. Abram or Abraham was maybe around 2000 BC. Job might have been about that same time. People don't know exactly, but Job might have overlapped with uh, Abraham in terms of the time, you know, when he was on the earth. But none of these, you know, it was not long after the flood, maybe 350 years after the flood. So they might have been in the middle of the Ice Age. But the Middle East, of course, didn't get covered with snow, but it was a lot wetter and a lot more snow coming down. And so if you read the book of Job and Henry Morris, our founder, pointed out that there's more references to snow and ice in the book of Job than any other book of the Bible. And so, he, you know, it wasn't like, you know, talks about the womb of the snow, who brought the womb of the snow and different references that we have at our Discovery Center about that. So there is, you know, much cooler climate it talks about rain and cold and snow. And in today, you know, in Iraq and in those areas, you don't really talk a lot about snow unless you're up in the mountains. But here's kind of what you were getting to. Here's kind of our global temperatures dropping on the graph, the gray graph. And then I kind of put in the, the sea level rise. And this is the years in the bottom down there are the evolutionary years. So I don't necessarily believe those. But as things were cooling down after the flood, of course, and, and the ice was melting, you would have had a sudden increase in sea level. We actually see that. They just try to say it was 20,000 years ago. We just say it was more like, you know, 3,500 years ago when this really happened. So the difference in our timing, but the effects are the same. So sea level would have rose. If I move you out of the way, I got to see where I'm at here. If you look on the side over there, those are in meters. And so sea level rose about 120 meters. And so that's well over 300 feet, the sea level would have rose. So people should have been out protesting that. You know, sea level's rising 380 <laughs> feet. We're all going to die. And they had to move. And they found civilizations under the North Sea, you know, offshore England. They found Ice Age civilizations where people had buildings and and, and they were living there. And they just had to move. They had to move because that was all dry land in the Ice Age between Europe and England. You could walk right over. Uh, but there's water there now. How rapid? How how rapid? I see you have it here. But yeah. how rapid? I mean, would, it, would that be within a person's lifespan that they're like, yeah. I hey, think, the ocean is coming up here yeah, towards I think us. Were, I think you, if you're near that peak when it's going up, just like when the ice is melting, you know, I think the ice might have melted, you know, some people have estimated within 100 years or maybe even less. So, you have, you know, here you have a mile of ice across a lot of the country. It looks like there was that much ice because you have the landforms that are considerable and sea level rebounding, you know, areas of Michigan and Canada rose hundreds of feet from the weight of the ice once the ice melted away. It's still rising in some places just a little bit. So there is evidence of really thick ice, but that ice would have melted fast. That may so you're them. you're that's really interesting. You're saying that the the weight of the ice was so heavy that it was actually pushing the crust of the earth down. That's correct. So what is under so what is under the crust of the earth that is creating the buoyancy that that uh, allows for that up and down? Well, if you go down below the crust and things, you can even compress the crust a little bit. Rocks do compress a bit, and so I think a lot of weight has been compressing the rocks. There might have been a little bit of movement down below the crust into the mantle and some of the, some of that plate actually there's that ascenosphere zone down about 60 miles down and so it might have but i think a lot of it might have some of it well some places it's over a thousand feet of rebound so you might have actually had some of the crust and plate might have actually depressed into this mushy zone called the ascenosphere which is what the plates moved on and so that's would give a little bit easier than than the crust above it. It's like a thick, watery, like spongy material, or what is that? Kind of like that. It's still a solid technically, but all the seismic waves slow down, so there's a little bit of melt in there. So it's kind of a yeah, it's almost like a sponge. You know, yeah, solid, but you can push it down a little bit. So it, it moves um, a little bit easier than than the solid rack above it. Gotcha. 
So, I mean, the big fear that I hear from people today regarding global warming and everything is that the glaciers are going to melt and the oceans are going to rise. Mm -hmm. I mean, that was a legitimate concern back then. It already um, did for the most part. To me, it yes. already did. You know, you melt Antarctica, you melt Greenland, and they rise like 100 feet more or something like that. That's all you're going to get. And if that, I don't think it's even that much. And, and I, I read, I read somewhere fast. online, they said, Go ahead. They said if all the glaciers melted today, if all the glaciers melted, and I don't know how accurate this is, I mean, it could be completely wrong, that the ocean levels would only rise two feet yeah, um, may, if all the glaciers melted. Yeah, I've heard different numbers, but it's not as much as it already has. Most of it already has. You can see how it's flattened out. Uh, even if you don't, you know, I don't believe the yeah. years at the bottom of that, of course, but the curve is probably pretty accurate. And so sea level did rise that much when you melted that much ice. But we have a reason for this, you know, as, as a creationist, we can explain why there was an ice age. We can explain why the ice age ended. The, the evolutionary guys still can't explain why the ice age started and why it ended. They have to throw this Milankovitch theory of stuff in there, which doesn't seem to work very well about the wobble of the earth and how far the precession of the earth and things like that and all these things are supposed to coincide. And my colleague at ICR, Dr. Jake Heber, studied all that. And he found out that they changed the, some of the numbers and they never went back and changed the curve. And so the things don't line up now, like they say. And so they really don't have a good story for the Ice Age, but because they have the microphone, they get to say whatever they want. But yeah, really, it's our, our story how... makes a lot more sense. Well, that, that's what I was going to say. It's incredible how all the pieces fit together so perfectly. I mean, mm -hmm. uh, historically, when we look at the, the Bible, we look at the flood, we look at all that, that, that's been put together by scientists like yourself and others. Um, I mean, the puzzle pieces just fall together. You have your justification for why it happened, why it ended, everything. It's it's amazing that more people don't um, recognize that. Yeah, they they just they just like go up your creationist. You're not a scientist, and they throw you out the door and don't even listen to us. They just like yeah, yeah, whatever. But yeah. here in Brown, the, you know, that shows when the ice was at its maximum, how much it would be land, and I believe even on the coast it would be dry. It would would you know because it would have been warm enough. This is an evolutionary diagram, of course. So they put ice right up to the edge, but I believe the water was still so warm, you didn't have ice right to the edge. And so it would have been mild right along the coast. We actually see barefoot human footprints of near Vancouver, Canada, in Ice Age mud. So people are walking along during the Ice Age barefoot in an area that should have been really, really cold, according to this map, should have been in the snow. And so, but you can see you could walk almost anywhere. And then the Tower of Babel timing came up. Of course, humans were disobeying. They were building this tower. And then God confounded their languages because they were going to miss the land bridges. They were going to miss that window of opportunity, which is only going to last for a few hundred years. And so God had to go in there and confound the languages. And this is a secular map that I couldn't have drawn any better except I changed the numbers. I mean, look, at this is the dispersion of humans. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> Almost right yeah. from the Middle East, right from Iraq, you know, right below Turkey down there. Everything comes out of that and just spreads all over the world. And to me, I couldn't have drawn a better map if I was a creationist. To me, this explains that, that is you know, that is incredible. Have everything they just have the years wrong, you know, because they 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 wow. think carbon fourteen dates. They use the carbon fourteen dates, and they they assume the carbon fourteen in the atmosphere was the same back then as it is today, and, and it obviously wasn't. But uh, to me, there there's there's the story right there. They they know it. They just want to believe it. I mean, I mean, if they if they actually read their Bible, they'd see that they're drawing exactly what the Bible teaches. And it might have taken a few hundred years to get across, you know, from the Middle East all the way across Asia. But God knew that that land bridge would still be there so he could walk over to North America. If it wasn't for that land bridge, there wouldn't be all these, you know, bears and deer and all these animals that walked all the way to North America. 
you know, to mm-hmm. me, that's why you can't add the flood until later either, because you had to wait. You couldn't get the animals there to be all those animals after the dinosaurs are buried. Then you have all these mammals buried on top. How'd you get those animals there until the ice age? You know, they they can't float across the ocean. Uh, big animals aren't going to float for months and months at sea with no water and no food. And so you had to mm-hmm. wait for the ice age. But that's the beauty of it: is that God had it all figured out. Not only did He have this devastating judgment of the flood. But he had it all figured out that he would have a plan to repopulate the earth. And humans were kind of disobeying not following the plan. So he made them follow the plan. Just like sometimes he corrects us, like in myself, for my sinful ways. God will That's reprimand right. me and we say, ask God, like, he's direction. That's right. We ask, he's, he's, he's that a, that, that why Hebrews mm-hmm. chapter 12 says, uh, you know, that God disciplines us mm-hmm. as a loving father disciplines mm-hmm. a child. Mm-hmm. And uh, no discipline seems pleasant at the time. Now uh, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace, right? So, but ultimately, yeah, that's why I'm at ICR. I mean, I'm doing finally, I think, once I hit 52, I finally am doing, I think, what God had planned for me to do all along. I needed these experiences of teaching at college, I needed the experience of the oil company to do the research I'm doing. Yeah, and like it says in Isaiah 55, for the heavens are higher than I can't see the, the verses there, but nonetheless, you know, God's thoughts are much higher than our thoughts, He, he knows what's going on. We just try to see this much of his wisdom as we go along. Yeah, but God grants his love toward us. He had a plan for us, too. He had a plan that he would come and die on the cross, take on human form, and redeem the earth for their wickedness that started way back in the Garden of Eden. And ultimately, it got mm-hmm. so wicked, of course, he had to destroy the, the earth again and start over with, with the animals on the ark. But he you know, he loves us that much that you know, even while we were yet sinners, he died for us. Because he, he is that loving father. He wants, you know, He calls us all to him. We know much more. It says, then being now justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. So there'll be another judgment coming, just like the flood was a judgment, that we can be saved from that wrath because we're one of his children. You know, we believe that God did what he did. Then my colleague, Jake Hebert, wrote this book. Uh, it's at icr.org, the Ice Age and Climate Change. He's got a lot of the Milankovitch analysis in there showing how it doesn't work. Now, I've got a chapter in my book, Carbon Stone, which has a whole chapter on the Ice Age which explains it maybe a little less mathematically, but explains the ideas of the Ice Age and a lot of the things we talked about tonight. So that's kind of the end yeah. of the Ice Age. That's, the end that's of the fantastic, age. yeah. But uh, well, I can stop that share and get back to bigger. Yeah, bigger. well, I, I love it. I mean, that's amazing stuff. Um, but, and, and um, you know, if um, somebody wants to find out more information, they can go to icr.org, mm-hmm. right? That's the, right. the website. icr.org, and, uh, that's their website. I, I was talking to... Yeah, and you can search on our website. There's a little Q, you know, a little question thing up there. We have hundreds and hundreds of articles. A lot of them on the Ice Age and, and different things as well. Thousands, thousands of articles. I, I asked, mm-hmm. uh, I, I was talking to Brian Thomas. I, mm-hmm. I think he does a lot of the writing. He he said that there's something mm-hmm. like 10,000 articles you guys have on your, yeah. your website. That blew I my just, mind. I was like, whoa. I just I just deleted one last week because it was yeah, it's from an article that we wrote an article about, but then they, they retracted the article. You know, the scientific people realized they were completely wrong. And so they yanked the article and we kind of, you know, kind of said, this seems really weird in our news article, but we pulled it down because it, it's not relevant anymore. So occasionally we try to clean up our articles, but it's hard to do yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. I've used it uh, so much and it's been so helpful in answering questions. You think that there's going to be a question you have that nobody's mm-hmm. going to have the answer to. You type it into you guys's 
search engine and all of a sudden it pops up. You're like, whoa, <laughs> that's fantastic. If you get really stumped, so, yeah, you can go to ICR, go to the, our website and go to the contact and you can get contact and say, you know, send this to the Yahoo geologist on your staff. Or if you have a question about something else, you can just, and the guy that monitors that, of course, he tries to, to answer it himself if he can, but he'll send it to us if you're persistent. Kind of like God tells us to be persistent with our prayers. If you're persistent, it'll eventually get through. There you go. You know, so they, <laughs> they don't, we don't like to give our emails out to everybody or I get so many emails that I lose so many emails and people get mad at me. And I, yeah. The emails go down, down. And it's like, wow. And so we love to answer, you know, questions. We love to do that, but we just, there's only five of us that are on our science staff and we can only do so many at a time. But if you're persistent, we can, we can usually get a hold of you. But. That's fantastic. Well, thanks a lot, uh, Dr. Clary, for being on the program this evening. And uh, We never got uh, the dinosaurs, did we? We didn't get to the dinosaurs, but hey. We can do that, another one sometime. We can do there you go, one. exactly. So that gives us I'll, something else to talk I'm about. I'm talking about dinosaurs <laughs> and how I don't think they have any feathers. I'm working on a book. Earlier, I'm working on a book right now that should come up by the end of the year. Ten reasons why dinosaurs are not birds. And uh, one of the main reasons is I don't believe the evidence shows that they had feathers. What they what animals that have feathers are today, that they're satyr dinosaurs are actually birds, little bony tailed birds. But the, when you look at the back hips and the legs and how they walked, and the things that they're missing that dinosaurs have, there's way too many pieces missing. When you look at the details, it's all about the details. And, and there's a lot of big differences between dinosaurs and birds. Even these extinct bony tail birds like Microraptor and Archaeopteryx have these really thin bony tails. But see, dinosaurs' tails are thick because the muscles in the mm. tails are attached to the femur, the thigh bone. So they walked, they balanced on their hips, whereas birds balance on their knees. And so they walk completely differently. And, and these extinct birds we find in the fossil record with the feathers, they all walk like birds and they don't walk like dinosaurs at all. But the evolutionists are changing the definition to make it work. They need an ancestor to uh, you know, birds. So they say dinosaurs are the ancestor birds because there are some similarities and there's no doubt about it, but there's even bigger differences that this book points out. So that'll be coming out hopefully by the end of the year uh, through ICR. Yeah, that sounds fantastic. And I'd love to, I'd love to do a show on that. So when we get closer to publication, I'd love to, okay. I'd love to have you on and talk about that because I, I, I have a lot of questions about that too. With well, archaeopteryx and yeah, my good friends, you know, a lot of good friends in the creation community, they're, you know, they're, they're, they're saying these are, no, Tim, these are dinosaurs and they're feathered dinosaurs. I'm like, mm. uh, you know, and, and in the book I went through, I learned a lot of stuff about anatomy and of bones and hip structure. And you really can see that the truth is in the details. It's like studying yeah. the and the rocks all over the world. You know, there's all that data that I collected, but it, it's powerful because it shows what's really there and what's really there still shows the evidence of a flood. But yeah, yep, just like yep. in the ice age, God had a plan. You know, he has, his timing is perfect. He had a plan to repopulate the earth. And it's, it's just amazing. He has a plan for our life too. That's the best part about it. That's one of my Amen. favorite verses in Jeremiah 29, 11. And, you know, God has a plan for everything. He you know, plans for the birds and he plans for, but you know, like he says in Luke, even more so, I will take care of you. You know, you're my own children. Just like a father takes Amen. care of his, his children. You know, Jesus is there. He's, you know, we got to answer that call. He calls us to him and we just have to answer that call. Amen. Amen. If you're a scientist out there and you're a creationist, um, you know, plug into ICR, um, whether you are or not, if you're a layman mm -hmm. scientist and you're just a science buff. We appreciate you. you plug my book if you guys want to get dinosaurs, Marvels of God's Design. I know it's, I know it's backwards, but but uh, this is the, a book I wrote about 10, eight, nine years ago now, and I've updated a few things, but 
the new book will be smaller and just address the issue of dinosaurs and birds. And I really, there are really, really, really are big differences, but the evolutionary community needs an ancestor. The ironic thing I point out in the book is they don't even know where dinosaurs came from. They have no ancestor, dinosaurs that they agree upon. So it's kind of funny to worry about where the dinosaurs turned into birds, they say, but they don't know where dinosaurs even came from. To me, the flood explains it all. I'll let you take it from here, Jason. All right. Well, thank you so much, Dr. Clary. Have a great night. And uh, yeah, we look forward to having you on the show very soon. All right. God, God bless you. Amen.